Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie related show on the planet Earth, the John Campia Show, coming to you from right here on my YouTube channel. I'm, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, all sorts of good things. And guys, went to go see Eternals for the fourth time last night. It was my fourth viewing of the film. I saw it uh, three times, once at the premiere, two press screenings. Then Anne and I went to go see it again last night. She liked it uh, even more the second time around. I think I've liked it a little bit more each time that I've seen it. Uh, but at any rate, we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But it is glorious to have you guys here today. And here's how today's show is going to go. We break the show into two parts, of course. In the first half of the show, we take some predetermined topics. And then in the second half of the show... We take your live comments and questions. If you'd like to get a live comment or question read on the show or in an upcoming companion video, simply use the tip link that's down in the description below. Go and click on that there or enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll begin your comment or question read on the show if, of course, we deem it appropriate for our show. And, of course, you'll be supporting the channel at the same time. And all of us involved here at the John Campia Show, thank you guys very much for all your support. And by the way, something we've been testing out a little bit this week, uh, but you guys seem to like it, so we're going to keep doing it for now, that if you guys are watching live, and this is only for those of you who are watching live, but if you guys are watching live, if you've got an opinion or a point to make about any of the topics that we're talking about here today, and you want me to read it a little bit later, just use the Super Chat feature in YouTube here. Again, this is for only those of you who are watching live. And then when we get to the end of the main topics, I will read through all those comments you send in. And remember, this is not a place to send in questions. I'm not going to be answering questions that get sent in there. That's for the questions part a little bit later. But if you've got a thought, comment, or observation that you'd like to make that you want me to read out, go ahead and fire it into the Super Chat there, and then we'll read that at the end of the main topics. Okay, guys. Before we get into those main topics, though, I want to do a little bit of house cleaning. First thing I want to let you know about is don't forget, if you can't be in front of a YouTube channel for your daily fix of the John Campy Show, good news, there is an audio-only version called the John Campy Show Podcast, and I don't think I've got it. No, I didn't have it set up. See, the last couple of days here, I've had a little bit of a hard time getting myself together. It's called the John Campy Show Podcast. It is the audio-only version of the show, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts from. Just go to your favorite podcasting app of choice, search for the John Campy Show Podcast, and that way the podcast feed will be there for you when you need it. And thank you to everybody who's already subscribed to the podcast. Okay, guys, let's get into an off the top here, shall we? And that off the top is this. Now, we're going to be talking about Eternals a little bit today. Of course, it's the biggest movie out right now. It just opened last night. Um, and we're going to be talking about the audience scores in a little bit. But an interesting fact and figure just came in. You know, with the mixed reviews coming in about Eternals, you know, about half the uh, critics like it, about half the critics don't like it. I really liked it, but I had no idea what other people were going to think about it because it is a film that's very different from the rest of the MCU. And I have not known how people are going to respond to it. I know it worked for me, but unlike Shang-Chi, where I came out of Shang-Chi going, holy crap, I think everybody's going to love this. And clearly not everybody did. Not everybody on the planet. No movie has everybody love it. But, I mean, I came out of Shang-Chi just knowing People are going to love this movie. People are going to love this movie. 
When it came out of Eternals, I had a big smile on my face. I really enjoyed what they did, but I did not feel the same way as I did about Shang-Chi, thinking everybody's going to love this movie. Everybody, I didn't think that. I, I didn't know how people were going to respond or react to this particular movie. And sure enough, the, the critic ratings have been very skewed. And the fact of the matter is these are all brand new characters. Uh, these are all characters that 99.9% of the audience has never heard of. And so how would the film do at the box office has been one of the hanging questions. I mean, on top of whether the critics would like it and whether the audiences would like it, we'll talk about that parts a little later. We haven't known really how well is this thing going to do? Well, apparently it's off to a pretty darn good start. According to Variety and box office reports right now, Eternals made $9.5 million on its Thursday preview, which actually right now paces it ahead of Shang-Chi. Uh, this comes to us from the folks over at Variety. They write the following. Eternals, the latest chapter in Marvel's sprawling, ever-expanding superhero universe, opened to a mighty $9.5 million in Thursday previews. That is the third best preview result for the COVID era, just behind Black Widow, where that had $13.2 million, and Venom, Let There Be Carnage, that had $11.6 million. It's a tick ahead of Shang-Chi's $8.8 million haul. Internationally, uh, Eternals is playing in 39 material markets to date, which has earned them an estimated $19.8 million in its first two days. Now, what is the another really interesting thing about this $9.5 million opening number is the fact that if we go outside of the pandemic era and go to another MCU film that opened in November, not too awful long ago, Doctor Strange, Eternals actually did better business on its first Thursday night than Doctor Strange did on its first Thursday night outside of the pandemic era. Now, nobody expected Eternals filled with characters nobody's ever heard of to do to be the number one, right? It's not going to beat a sequel like Venom. It's not going to beat a OG Avenger in Black Widow. But I also, if I'm being honest, I didn't think it would top Shang-Chi. Because Shang-Chi, yeah, new character, but it looks full action movie. It's one new character. Yeah, if you'd asked me, did I think Eternals filled with all these characters that's even more different than most people are used to, and ain't nobody heard of any of these characters. Did I think Eternals could have done better on its opening night at the box office than Shang-Chi? Frankly, no. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Shang-Chi went on to make $75 million in its opening weekend. $75 million in its opening weekend, which is great. Now, that just because Eternals made more on its opening Thursday night does not necessarily mean it will top Shang-Chi. But listen, again, me being honest, there were estimates out there that Eternals was going to make 70 to $80 million in its opening weekend, and frankly, I thought it would come under that. I mean, not like $20 million or $30 million, but... I honestly thought, 70's a chance, yeah, but honestly, I'd looked at those projections and I thought, there's just too much going on here. On top of that, the split critic reviews, which I don't think are going to hurt the movie terribly badly, but still it'll have an impact, even if it's small. And I would have guessed, guys, straight up, I would have guessed it would have come under that. With this thing beating out Shang-Chi's opening night numbers, I think now it's pretty safe to say it is going to fall 
in that 70 to 80 million dollar range hell it might even exceed the 80 million dollar range i'm not making any predictions right now i'm not making any predictions but considering shang chi made less than eternals on opening night and shang chi went on to make 75 million is 80 million out of the question i don't think it's out of the question now i wouldn't have thought that yesterday but today seems like it's in question and that now it's going to be buoyed up a little bit by some positive audience reviews and word of mouth going around, but we'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. So I thought that it was interesting. Anyway, the question is for you guys. What do you think about this? Are you surprised that the Eternals actually made more money on its opening night than Shang-Chi did? I'm not going to lie to you. I am. Whatever you guys are thinking about this, jump down into the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down... Let's get into our main topics here today, shall we? And how do we select our main topics here in the John Campion Show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big topic, issue, or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic on the show, just go anytime 24-7 over to www.thejohncampionshow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit. And then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. With that down, let's get into main topic number one. And our first main topic today gets submitted to us by Bailey C., who writes, One genre of movies that I absolutely love are musicals. I just love them. One that has been seemingly in development for in development hell for well over a decade has been the critically acclaimed hit Wicked. Now there seems to be actual movement on this, with Variety reporting that Cynthia Erivo and Adriana Grande have been cast as the two leads, Elfaba and Galinda, respectively. I'm not gonna lie, I think this is really solid casting because these two can definitely belt what are your thoughts all right thanks a lot for sending that in bailey and yeah listen i'm not i'm like you listen i enjoy a good musical i do um my wife and she's got season tickets to the pentagious theater here in los angeles and i've gone with her to several we've we've gone to see hamilton three times i'm not guy hamilton is not everything in life very few things in life actually live up to the hype hamilton live lives up to the hype. Go see Hamilton if you ever get a chance. And, okay, that's a side note. I uh, went with her to go see Waitress, which was fantastic. I went with her to go see School of Rock, the live musical. Well, I mean, I've gone to a bunch of them. But when I still lived in Canada, I went to things like, well, I've seen Les Mis about three times. Les Mis is my all-time favorite stage production. Um, Lion King, Beauty and the Beast on stage. I'm a fan, but I'm not like into it. I don't go to like five a year. You know what I'm saying? I don't go to like the stage every year, but my wife has season tickets. One of the shows my wife loves is Wicked. And that had Chenoweth and, uh, oh, what's her name again? Oh, yes. Uh, what's, oh, wait a second. What's her name? Um, Adele Dazeem. <laughs> and for those of you who know, you know. It started Chenoweth and Adele Dazeem, of course, in Dina Menzel. Uh, which starred in that as well. And it's basically, for those of you who don't know anything about Wicked, it basically is kind of looking at the story of the Wicked Witch of the West and uh, Galinda, the, the Good Witch, 
and their origin story. And it looks at the Wicked Witch of the West, makes us look at her a little bit differently. It's a very interesting concept for a show. And it won a whole bunch of awards and all that kind of stuff. But they've been trying to get a movie made about this for a long time. And it looks like they are indeed finally making some movement on this. This comes to us from the folks over at Cinema Blend who write, Hollywood has been trying to make a movie version of Wicked for a crazy long time. The Broadway show premiered back in 2003, and there have been efforts pretty much ever since to bring it to the big screen. And, and yeah, absolutely, that's true. It has. They've been trying to get this done for a long time. But all attempts have failed. Well, now fans can start to get legitimately excited as it seems that the latest incarnation is actually going to make it into production. What provides this confidence? The fact that Ariana Grande and Cynthia Erivo have been officially cast to play Galinda and Elfaba in the production. This news was announced by the director himself, John M. Chu himself, who signed on to helm the Wicked movie earlier this year. And that, again, comes from the folks over at Cinema Blend. Now, look, uh, first of all, when you're talking about Erivo, you're talking about an Academy Award-nominated actress who can sing the hell out of just about anything, right? But she just she got nominated for Best Actress, I believe it was for Harriet, that just recently she got nominated for that for. She's had several other major nominations. She's an acclaimed actress in and of her own right. Now, I do not like the idea, generally speaking. I'm generally not a fan of famous musicians getting big roles in movies. But the one thing I've always said that I would give an exception for to that is if it's a musical. Because honestly, and this is one of the only times I'll say this about a movie other than a documentary, is that acting chops are not the number one priority. Acting chops are not the number one priority. It's still important. But if you want a great example about how and why acting chops in a musical should not be your number one priority, but rather singing ability needs to be your number one priority, go back to what I think is a pretty darn good live-action adaptation that Disney did a couple of years ago of Beauty and the Beast. It's nowhere as good as as the original, but I still thought it was pretty good. But one of the things that caught a lot of people off guard was the singing of um, Emma, uh, what's Emma's last name? You know, Harry Potter girl. Emma, it's not Emma Stone, it's Emma. You guys will come up with it, throw it in the last name. I'm freezing. Watson, thank you, Watson. Thank you, Tyler Rod and Anthony and Marcus. Yes, it was Emma Watson. Emma Watson, who is a terrific actress. I don't think anybody would, would deny she's a terrific actress. She's really good. And she's a good singer. Don't get me wrong. She's a good singer. But when all the songs started to get sung in that Beauty and the Beast live action thing, and then her singing parts came in, I mean, hey, she can sing better than most of us, but it stood out as not being an elite level voice, right? You go watch Greatest Showman, elite level voice, elite level voice, elite level voice, right? So it all blends in together perfectly. And then in Beauty and the Beast, uh, Emma Watson, terrific actress, Hey, pretty good singer too, but not on that level. And for a lot of people watching Beauty and the Beast, that's what a lot of people talked about. 
coming out of it. It was like, like, you know, when she started singing and she can sing better than most people, it kind of took them out of the movie. It seemed out of place, all that kind of stuff. So while I'm not a fan of singers getting big roles in movies, when it comes to musicals, I do make an exception. And you got the acting side part with Cynthia there, Academy Award nominee. But listen, like her music or hate her music, there's something you can't deny. And I kind of fall into the category. I'm not the biggest fan of Adriana Grande. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Not that I don't think she's a cool person. It's just that I'm not a huge fan of a lot of her material. That's all. No big deal. But whether you do like her material or you don't, you're a fool if you don't recognize, oh my God, this girl can sing. This girl can sing. You know, I had a moment with her. I remember I had my big aha moment with Lady Gaga because I just saw her as this pop diva, right? Pop diva, pop diva, Lady Gaga, whatever. And I remember, I can't remember how many, do you guys remember this at the Academy Awards? Do you remember this? My awakening moment, I'll call it, with Lady Gaga was a bunch of years ago at the Academy Awards. And they announced that, you know, uh, Lady Gaga is going to come out and sing Julie Andrews stuff from, I think, what was it, The Sound of Music? I think that was, she's going to come out and sing, you know, the, the, the Julie Andrews stuff. I think it was The Sound of Music. And I'm like, and every, all of us, all of us were sitting in the league because I was having my Oscar viewing party and all of us are like, oh, this is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. And then Lady Gaga comes out and starts singing and pardon, pardon the swearing and everything, but she came out and started singing and shut us the fuck up. Yeah. We're all just watching this going, I had no idea that lady could sing like that. I mean, it was, it was, it was epic. It was epic. And I remember the first time, because we had heard of Grande before and heard Summer Song's not really big. And then I saw a live thing with her and I can't even remember what it was. There was this live thing of her where it was, it was an acoustic set of some sort and she just grabbed the mic and started belting. And I'm like, ah, uh, I wasn't expecting that. Fully admit. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of Grande, but I was not expecting that. So when you're talking about something like Wicked, that is a musical, straight up musical. I don't know if Grande can act or not. I straight up, I have no idea. I don't know anything about her other than the fact that this girl's got pipes. But I really don't know anything about her. So I don't know that she can act. I don't know that she's the worst actress in the world. But in a musical where the number one thing that is going to carry this thing is the singing, that's a pretty good choice. You could do a lot worse than getting somebody like her to come and do that. So I'm looking forward to it. Anyway, question is for you guys. What do you think about the casting for Wicked? And also on top of that, what do you think about the fact that they're finally getting Wicked going? I think it's pretty good news for everybody involved. Whatever you guys' thoughts are, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys. 
With that down and out of the way, I want to take a second here and let you guys know that today's episode of the John Campion Show is being brought to you by the good folks over at Get Upside. Now, you guys have heard me talking about Get Upside here for a bit. And listen, straight up, this is one of the best no-catches apps I've ever been introduced to. Get Upside is simply this. It's a cashback app. You use the app when you're at the gas station or any, another type of business or whatever. You check in with it, you use it, and you get cash back deposited into your account. You can get up to $0.25 cents per liter of gas that you use on your car. And on top of all that, if you go and sign up for Get Upside today, again, there's no catch to it, but if you go and sign up for it today and then use the promo code CAMPIA, that's C-A-M-P-E-A, you can get up to 50 cents per gallon. Download the app for free and earn up to 50 cents per gallon when you use the code CAMPIA on the cashback app on your first tank. And again, it doesn't just work at gas stations. You'll be surprised when you open up the app and you see just how many places, restaurants, and others that it works. And by the way, you get multiple ways you can get paid out. You can have them deposit the money directly into your account. You can have them deposit it to your PayPal, send it to you via, via PayPal. If you use Amazon a lot, guess what? They can give you an Amazon e-card or to some other businesses as well. So there's a lot of choices there. So guys, go download, get upside today, give it a shot, use the promo code Campia that helps support our show and enjoy it and have a good time. And we thank Get Upside for participating in our show. All right, guys, with that down, let's now move on to our second main topic today. And our second main topic today gets submitted to us by Uriel H., who writes, Hey, John, in the same way that you're a Star Wars guy, I am very much a Star Wars guy, uh, I'm a Harry Potter guy. I grew up with these movies, and they sort of made me love movies in general. Wondering what you thought about the news that Chris Columbus has said that he wants to direct a Cursed Child movie with the original cast of Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grint. Uh, do you think Potter fans would be excited for this if it were to happen? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, Uriel. And yeah, look, I am not a Potterhead. Okay, just say that straight up. I'm not a Potterhead, but I do enjoy the Harry Potter movies. I like them. Like, I don't lose my mind for them. I've never read any of the books, but I've watched all the movies. And with the exception of one, which ironically I think is most people's favorite Harry Potter movie, which is the third one. I think that's The Prisoner of Azkaban. That's the only one I don't like. And I know that's weird because for a lot of Harry Potter fans, that's like their number one Harry Potter movie. For me, it's the one I, I just, I didn't quite like that one at any rate. Um, but I like all the rest of them, especially the last couple, especially as you get into the last two and things like that. I really enjoyed it. Now, they have tried to carry on the Harry Potter franchise because it's a money printing machine. The Harry Potter franchise just prints money, 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 money all the time. That's all they did. They printed money. So they try to keep it going with Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Now, look, I'll tell you what. I, I like the Fantastic Beasts movies. I actually particularly like the second one. I thought the second one was quite good. And although his name is a hot potato these days, I thought Johnny Depp was really good in it as Grindelwald. I thought he was quite good in it. 
And I like the movie overall. And it's funny because I know a lot of Harry Potter fans didn't even like that movie, but I did. I liked it. Not as good as the Harry Potter movies per se, but I thought they've been pretty good. But they haven't recaptured the imagination or magic or the imagination of the fans the way the original Harry Potter films did, right? You know, the fans have been wanting to see the original cast come back. At least a lot of the fans have been wanting to see the original cast come back and all that kind of stuff. Cursed Child is a a book I never read, but they did translate it into a stage show. It won several Tony Awards. I only found that out yesterday. I didn't know that thing actually won some awards. But I know my wife, who is a major Harry Potter fan. My wife is a major Harry Potter fan. She wasn't so big on Cursed Child herself. But still, there had been some whispers about maybe making a movie out of it. And guess who else wants to do that? The director of the original Harry Potter movie. Uh, this comes to us from IndieWire. Of course, this is a Columbus who write, who's speaking. He says, I would love to direct The Cursed Child. It's a great play, and the kids are actually the right age to play those roles now. It's a small fantasy of mine, Columbus said. Radcliffe is 32, Grant is 33, and Watson is 31. God, God, okay, under the category, if you want to feel old today, all the Harry Potter kids are in their 30s. Let that sink in for a second. Sit down, gather yourself, take a shot of whiskey if you must, but let that sink in. All the Harry Potter kids are now in their 30s. (laughs) But anyway, we move on today. Um, Harry Potter fans already got a glimpse of what the trio might look like in their older age in Deathly Hallows Part 2, where to to some controversy, the makeup team tried to age uh, them 20 years, the 20-year-old actors. It was much deride by fans. Yeah, I remember, I don't understand what the problem with that was, because at the end of the Deathly Hallows Part 2, they kind of flash forward in the future a bit, and they aged up the kids a bit. And I heard a lot of people complaining about it. I was like, well, I don't see anything wrong with it. I thought it was perfectly fine. But, okay, look, at any rate, the idea now Cursed Child takes place, you know, much later in their lives to the ages where these guys are now in their life. And telling a story from there is interesting. Listen, make no bones about it. I think you are crazy if you don't believe that a new Harry Potter movie made today with that original trio from the original movies, if you don't think that makes a billion dollars at the box office, you're insane. You're absolutely insane. If you don't think, if you don't acknowledge that's a billion dollar movie like that, I don't care what controversy JK has herself in today or anything. I I don't care about you make a new Harry Potter movie today with that group with these three, that thing makes a billion dollars. Except for maybe Cursed Child. Now, again, listen, I don't have my finger on the pulse of the Harry Potter fandom nearly as much as I do a Star Wars fandom or, or comic book movie fandom because I travel in those circles more, probably like much of you guys do. I, I don't have my finger on the pulse nearly like that as in the Harry Potter world, but... I've heard from a number of people say that Harry Potter, the Cursed Child thing, is actually a little bit divisive. 
is actually a little bit divisive uh, amongst a lot of the uh, amongst a lot of the uh, Harry Potter fans. And so, if you were going to do one, and by the way, I am fully open to any of you guys who are more hardcore uh, Potterheads. If you think otherwise, please do let me know. But my impression right now, as a novice in Harry Potterdom, is that. I don't know how excited people would be uh, with The Cursed Child. Like, it almost feels like they should just do an original story with the original three actors. But I, I don't know. But we'll see. Question is for you guys. What do you think of this, that the original Harry Potter director wants to make this movie with the original three cast? And let's be honest, the original three casts, while they're all doing pretty well, like it's like not none of them are kind of like burning up in their careers right now. Maybe they'd be open to coming back to the Harry Potter world. Once again, I know a lot of audiences go back anyway, guys, whatever you guys think, jump down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Okay, guys, with that down, let's move on to main topic. Number three and our third main topic today gets submitted to us by Aaron Blockwell, who writes, Gal Gadot just did an interview where she said that they already started working on the script for Wonder Woman 3 and confirmed that Linda Carter was going to be back for it. I'm a bit torn here. I really like the first Wonder Woman, but the second one left me a bit cold. Are you excited for the third film? How should fans be feeling about it? Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And look, the Wonder Woman character has a very special place in the DCEU. I mean, certainly Wonder Woman as a character has a special place in all of comic bookdom and certainly in all of the DC history. But when it comes specifically to on screen in the DCEU, Wonder Woman's a very important figure because Wonder Woman was the first DCEU era of movies film that came out and really won over all three of the major aspects. Wonder Woman won with the critics. Wonder Woman won with the audience. And Wonder Woman won at the box office. And up until that point, all the DC films had struggled uh, with usually two out of the three, sometimes all three out of the three. Wonder Woman was that film for the DCU that came out of nowhere and you know got the hat trick. Audience, critics, box office, won them all over. Did well with all three. So it's understandable that we were all very excited to see Wonder Woman 2, or as it became known, Wonder Woman 1984. And while Wonder Woman 1984, I do not believe is the hot steaming pile of garbage that some people make it out to be, to generously put it, it was a step down from the first Wonder Woman. I Overall, I was disappointed with it. Obviously, we know that they are capable of making a much better Wonder Woman movie because we saw the first one. Patty Jenkins is an incredible director. Every director has a bad day at the office, and unfortunately to me, Wonder Woman 84 was that bad day at the office. Now, I'm sure some of you liked it. I mean, there are a bunch of fans who did like it, and that's awesome. But for me, and I think a lot of other people, it ended up being a little bit of a disappointment. But while that may be the case, 
I remain very excited about another Wonder Woman because I believe Wonder Woman 84 represents their bad day at the office. I think it represents the worst that they can do. And when they do another Wonder Woman movie, I firmly believe it'll be closer to the first Wonder Woman in front of in terms of quality than the second one. Anyway, this comes there from the folks over at Movie Web who write the following. Wonder Woman 3 has now been officially confirmed to be in development with director Patty Jenkins and stars Gal Gadot and the original Wonder Woman, Linda Carter, both set to star, reprising their roles from prior installments. Patty Jenkins, who so far has helmed both movies in the Wonder Woman franchise, had cast doubt over whether she would return for a third one due to the Warner Brothers' controversial streaming release strategy, but she did confirm her return for Wonder Woman 3 during the recent DC Fandom event. By the way, uh, that's kind of one thing that's beginning overlooked a lot, that Linda Carter, of course, who cameoed in Wonder Woman 1984, probably one of the coolest moments in the film. There are a couple of good moments in Wonder Woman 84. One, the I thought it was kind of breathtaking as they're flying the plane over the clouds as the uh, fireworks are going off, stuff like that. That was a pretty cool moment. I like that. But also the Linda Carter cameo, I think everybody pretty like pretty much liked that a lot. I, I enjoyed that a lot. Hearing she's going to be coming back to reprising that role, I think that could be pretty interesting. So good on that. And yes, in her interview, uh, Gal Gadot confirmed that, yep, the script is underway. We're already working on it. They don't have a release date yet, which is fine. You want to get the script kind of firmed up before you do that. So they're moving forward. But that brings up the question that they were asking in their email that Aaron was asking. Look at that last line. How should fans, should we fans be feeling about this? That they are doing third. How should we feel? Should we feel nervous? Should we feel apprehensive? Should we feel optimistic and should we feel excited? That's a big question. That's the one we're going into right now. And every film fan is going to have their own answer to this. But it all depends on which film do you give more weight to, the first Wonder Woman or the second Wonder Woman. And do you think the DNA is there to create a quality third movie? How should fans feel about it? That's not my place to say. That's for each individual fan to give their opinion on about how they think about it and and what their opinions are and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, there are things about this that I find pretty exciting. You know, obviously, Linda Carter returning. I think that's pretty cool, but that's only a novelty. Linda Carter being there is not going to make a bad movie a good movie. It's still got to be a good movie if we're going to be excited about that. So there's that. All I can tell you is how I feel myself. And as for me, to get biblical, as for me in my house, we will be excited about Wonder Woman 3. And I'll I'll tell you why. I think what Patty Jenkins has done, and this is the most important part, have you made an interesting character that everything else is centered around? And I think this iteration of Wonder Woman is an interesting character. And if you are starting with an interesting character in your iteration, then you're two steps ahead right now. Again, and I say this as somebody who's not a big fan of Wonder Woman 84, but I do think there is enough there, even when you look at 84, to be optimistic about a third film. And I'm going to go out on a limb right now. I am going to go out on a limb and make a prediction. 
based on nothing, fully, fully pulling this completely out of my white yet beautiful ass, which is this. Wonder Woman 3 is going to be the best of the three. I think Wonder Woman 3 is going to be the best of the three. I think they are going to take all of the good things about the first one. I think they're going to learn their mistakes from their second one. And I think Patty Jenkins is going to deliver unto us the best Wonder Woman movie yet. I'm not saying the best comic book movie yet. I'm not saying the best DCEU movie yet. But I think she's going to deliver unto us the best Wonder Woman movie yet. I really do. I'm going to choose to believe that until I see otherwise. So that's my thoughts on that. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? You know, we know everything's firmed up, confirmed. They're now working on the story. Linda Carter's involvement, it's coming. How should we feel about Wonder Woman 3? I'm feeling one way. Do you feel the same? Do you feel completely opposite? Maybe you're somewhere in the middle. Wherever you are right now, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's now move on to main topic number four, shall we? And our fourth main topic today gets submitted to us by Tyler Hoffman, who writes, Hey, John, the moment we've all been waiting for is here. As of writing this message, Eternals has an audience score of 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. I was expecting somewhere in the 70s, but 86 is great. I'm still a little skeptical, but I got my tickets for Saturday as I'm doing a double header seeing both Last Night in Soho, which I'm going to go out and see today, um, and Eternals. Did you hear any reactions from the audience last night? Thanks, and keep up the great work. All right, Tyler, thanks a lot for sending that in, man. And yeah, listen, Eternals. It's been the talk of the last couple of weeks. It is the biggest movie out there right now. It's going to be the biggest movie until Spider-Man comes. And we've been saying for a while, look, I have no idea what the audience's reaction to this is going to be. I've, I've said, I will not be surprised at all if the audience scores for Eternals is 90%. I won't be surprised. But I also won't be surprised if it's like 60 Because... It is such a different MCU movie. We've talked about that a lot. It is so different for an MCU movie. It does not feel like an MCU movie. You know, every MCU movie, every MCU movie is unique. Civil War is very different from Ant-Man. Ant-Man is very different from Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is very different from Thor Ragnarok and and so on and so forth. But at their core, They have that MCU DNA. And Eternals just doesn't. It's a completely different thing. Now, one of the things I said when I came out of Eternals for the first time was that it's not an MCU movie. It's a Chloe Zhao movie. And that's the impression and the feeling that I had of it. And so as we've watched the critic ratings, number one, come out pretty mixed and then drop and drop and drop. We've got a completely split critic base. You know, half the critics like it, half the critics don't. So there's no consensus amongst the critics how they feel about it. It's completely divided. But we've been saying this whole time. I am very curious to see how the audience scores are going to be because I really did not know. Again, as I said off the top of the show, with Shang-Chi, I came out and I knew 
<laughs> like I knew audiences are going to love Shang-Chi. Y'all are going to love Shang-Chi. Not everybody in the world will. No film does, but with Eternals, I just did not know. No confusion. Now, look, it's not like I came out knowing people were going to hate it. You know, we've all come out of movies and, oh, my God, people are going to hate this movie. I didn't feel that for Eternals. Not at all. It's just that I was totally confused and I did not know where it was going to go. And now we know. Eternals is sitting at an 86% on Rotten Tomatoes with the audience scores. This comes to us from Comic Book Movie who writes, Eternals is now on general release following last night's preview screenings, which means the audience rating has opened up on Rotten Tomatoes. We figured fans would be far more responsive to Chloe Zhao's superhero epic than the majority of critics, and that certainly appears to be the case. With over 500, and by the way, as of right now, it's over 1,000 verified verdicts counted, Eternals cr- uh, currently boasts an audience score of 86%, which is in stark contrast to the 51% of critics, by the way, now 49, at least the last time I checked, it's now 49% of critics who gave the movie a fresh rating. And that to us, again, comes to us from comic book movie. All right. So where does this leave us on this? Well, it's interesting. It's interesting because that 86 means when you take the 26, 27 MCU movies, Eternals is actually in the top part of critically of critical responses for MCU movies up until this point. It's actually up in the top half. So let's take a second just for interest sake and jump on over to the Campia classroom, shall we? And let's take a look at the top MCU audience score. Now, I know it says 10. We're actually going to say 12. So why does it say 10? I don't know, because the world is unfair. All right. When we're looking at Eternals, Eternals is now the 12th out of the 26-plus movies is now the 12th uh, largest. 12th largest. Let me do this number up again. I'm going to go 12. There we go. 12 Eternals. There we go. Eternals is the number 12 with 86%. What are the other ones? Well, at number 11, we've got Spider-Man some coming. How's that? Some coming. Spider-Man, my Spidey t- senses tingling, someone's coming. Oh, I'll let you interpret that however you want to interpret it at home. That's an odd little typo. Spider-Man, some's coming. All right, Spider-Man's homecoming has an 87% uh, at number 11. As we go into number 10, we've got Captain America Civil War at 89%. That's the number 10 one. At number 9, we've got Avengers Endgame. Uh, Endgame, which is sitting at, what is it? It's a 90% for Avengers Endgame, all right? At number eight, we've got the first Iron Man that is sitting at a 91%. That's the number eight most uh, best audience rated movie for the MCU. At number seven, we've got the original Avengers, my actual all-time favorite comic book movie, which just, just fractions higher then Iron Man at 97 with an overall 91% as well. All right. At number six, we've got, what do we got? We have another Avengers movie, Avengers Infinity War, which just sits percentage, like fractions of percentages above 
the uh, above the original Avengers movie, that's sitting at 91% as well. At number five, we have another team-up movie, if you will, sitting above Avengers and Avengers Infinity War. We've got the Guardians of the Galaxy at 92%. So that's where Guardians of the Galaxy. At number four, we've got Captain America, the Winter Soldier at 92%. So that sits above, That's again, that's just fraction of percentages, a fraction of points above Guardians of the Galaxy. All right, at number three, this is a surprise, Black Widow. Now, I, I am a little, that one surprises me. Black Widow getting 92% surprised me, but when I think about it, it really shouldn't surprise me all that much. Because remember, this isn't audiences saying this is the third best movie in the MCU. What it's saying is that everybody who watched it at least liked it. And think about this. Black Widow came out, and it was the first taste of, the, of an MCU movie in a while. Right? We had been, thanks to the pandemic, through a long drought of getting an MCU movie. It had been a long time. Black Widow is one of the OG Avengers. She's a beloved character in this universe. And listen, while I have my problems with Black Widow, and I do, I have problems, I have some significant issues with that movie. Overall, I still liked it. It was an enjoyable film. I thought the characters were great, the inner dynamics, the family stuff I thought was all great. It's an enjoyable movie to watch. So I was a little bit surprised at first to see Black Widow at number three, but the more I think about it, you know, considering when it came out after the big long drought, I think audiences were just like, ah, yes, an MCU movie again. I mean, I think that might have something to do with it. I'm not going to make excuses for why people liked or disliked something, but that just kind of seems like it makes sense to me. Anyway, so that's number three. At number two, anybody in the live chat want to throw in a guess what number two is? I'll give you a second to see if there's any big guesses here. No? No guesses? Some people saying Thor 2, Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, Shang-Chi, Iron Man 2. Here we go. Here's what it is. The number two highest audience rated movie in the MCU is Spider-Man Far From Home with 95%. Spider-Man Far From Home at 95% is the number two. Again, just a, there's so much in that movie just to like. It doesn't have to be your favorite MCU movie, but that is a very likable movie. It's hard to like come out of that movie and go, I hated that. You know what I mean? Not a top three MCU film, not a top five MCU film, but I mean, a lot, it's everything is enjoyable about that thing. All right. That moves us on to number one. The number one audience film in the MCU is drum roll here we go people are throwing in their guesses a lot of people are saying endgame a lot of people are saying um black panther a lot of, a lot of people saying black panther some people saying ragnarok some here it is here it is here it comes are you ready why is my voice getting higher shang chi ladies and gentlemen shang chi is the number one audience rated film in the mcu at 98 percent. 98 percent of the fan of the verified audience that saw the movie liked Shang-Chi at 98%. By the way, look at this. 
They're 12th. Guys, wrap your heads around this. The MCU's 12th highest audience rated movie is 86%. That's just stupid. That's just dumb that they have their 12th highest audience rated film is 86%. There are film franchises that would kill to have one movie that has an audience rating of 86%. But that's what they do. The, the MCU movies just play well with audiences. They just do. Um, anyway, so there's that. And uh, I, I love seeing Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi is not my number one favorite MCU film, by the way. Avengers is. It's not even my my second or third favorite MCU movie. It's in my top five. But God, I love that movie, man. You know me. I, I saw it seven times in theater. So, you know, I'm really big on it. But so here it is. The question then becomes, why is it? Because this represents a 36, 37% difference between the critics and the audiences when it comes to Eternals. And frankly, I'm not surprised because there there are things about this movie, like there's some mythology issues with it. There's definitely a villain issue with this movie. There are things with it that, you know, if I came out, this is why I said, if the audience score in this movie is like around 60%, I won't be surprised because there are things in there that if they stand out to you more than they did to me, it's going to make a lot of people not like the movie. If it's those, those elements stand out more to you, or have more of an impact to you than they did on me personally. The positive aspects of the film have a bigger impact on me, and that's why I enjoyed it so much. That's why I've seen it four times in theaters so far. But I could totally see it not working for a lot of people. And I think those types of elements are the kinds of elements that critics even look for a little bit more. And again, it's not all critics. It's only about half of them. Like, these are splits. Like, it's it's erroneous to say the critics didn't like this movie. No, about half of them did and about half of them didn't. But I've been seeing this really stupid narrative going around. All right? Because I, I just saw somebody write this in the live chat a second ago, too. And I'm not going to call them out. But there's this really dumb narrative going around. Um, now that you, you brought it up, that, oh, critics and, and audiences... Critics and audiences are never this. Like the critics and the audiences are always way far apart. The critics are 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 out of touch. Whatever. And okay, guys, that's just stupid. That's just stupid. Like for an example, let's look at what the one I just mentioned. Right. I'm just gonna pull these out of my ass. Let's see. It's Shang Chi. We already know audiences love Shang Chi, right? Audiences love Shang Chi. Did the did the critics? Well, let's find out. Yeah, look at that. The critics and the audiences are almost, they're only six points apart. The critics and the audiences love it. Let's pull another one out of my ass. Black Panther. A lot of you guys were mentioning Black Panther. Black Panther. Okay. Were the audiences and the critics totally far apart? Uh, why didn't I get the movie? What's, what's, I must have clicked on the wrong one. Hold on a second. Let me try that again. Black Panther. Oh, the joys of doing a show when you don't have technical help in the studio with you. Look at that, 17% difference. If if you're within 20%, that means you're not only in the same half, you're in the same fifth. 
If you're within 20%, you're in the same fifth. Not even the same half, not even the same third, not the same quarter, the same fifth. There's only 17% difference here. What's another one? Well, we just mentioned Guardians. Guardians of the Galaxy. 2015 film. What do we got? Oh, that, I clicked on the wrong one. That's some Guardians of the Galaxy video of the game. Okay, Guardians of the Galaxy movie. There it is. Wow, is that 2014? Holy shit, look at that. Bang on. 92%, 92%. Like exactly right on. This narrative that people think makes themselves sound cool by going, the critics and the audiences are really always, always far, far apart. No, they're not. Let's pull another one out of mass. What's another MCU movie? I, uh, what's one we were just talking about? Endgame? Okay, let's go Endgame. What did the audience and the critics think of Endgame? Uh, I better put in Avengers Endgame because I'm not getting uh, Avengers Endgame. There we go. 94 and 90. They're 4% apart. 4% apart. Now, look, I can point you to a couple of examples where they came where they came further apart. For example, let's go Joker. Joker is a big one, right? That's one where they were far apart. How far apart were they? Look at that. They were still within 20% of each other. Even Joker, which everybody knows the audience and the critics were way far apart on. Well, actually, they were only 20 points away from each other. That again, even Joker, they were within the same, they were within the same sphere. They were in the same fifth. They were within the same 20%. And that's a huge example of one that the critics and uh, I don't know, what's another one? Uh, there's a movie I like, Ant-Man. Let's bring up Ant-Man just for fun. Ant-Man, 2015. I have no idea what this number is going to say. 83 and 86, 3% apart from each other. So, yes, this thing with Eternals is a big example of when the fact that you can, because all films are subjective, this is going to happen, where you're going to have a situation where the critics and the audience have some significant distance between them. In this case, there's like 36, 37% point difference. But the reality is that 90 plus percent of the time, the critics and the audience are going to be within throwing distance of each other within that 20%, that one fifth mark, the majority of the time. And again, you can try, but here's the thing, the very fact that you can, we can throw out Joker, right? That just highlights the fact that it's it's the rare occasion. Um, that, probably a Star Wars movie uh, or two, uh, probably, I don't, I don't know. What's, what's another example here? Let's try, uh, what's, what's, uh, maybe something like No Time to Die will have a big difference. Nope, I was wrong. No Time to Die is, they're pretty much bang on identical, 84% and 88%. So yeah, we can throw the odd one that has one. Oh, I just saw a good one in the live chat. Um, Akash M just gave us a really, really good one. A good example of one, uh, when the critics and the audiences were far apart. Venom. difference. I love Venom. I don't care what anybody says. I love Venom. But I mean, that's a good one. But the fact of the matter is that the fact that you have to actually 
hunt and search around for when they're far apart, whereas I can just throw up 15 random ones and they're usually within 10% at max 20% apart. That just proves the point that nine times out of 10, the critics and the audiences are usually within throwing distance of each other. There's definitely examples when they're not. Eternals is one of them. So why is Eternals one of these movies where it didn't really land with the critics, but it seems to be landing pretty well with the, with the audience? Two things I want to make sure we keep in mind. Number one, that while an 86% is great, it's not in the top 10 of MCU movies, but it is in the top half. It's in the top half of MCU movies, but not in the top 10. And there are still a lot of critics out there. There's this whole narrative, like people misunderstand Rotten Tomatoes. When they see a movie gets like 57%, that means the critics hated it. No, it means a good number of critics didn't like it, but an almost equal of number of critics did like it. There's this narrative going that the critics hate Eternals. I'm a critic. I don't hate Eternals. I've seen it four damn times. I know a number of other critics who really like the film. I also know a bunch of them who don't. But you got to keep that in mind. But what is that thing? What is what is the thing, if you could point to a magic bullet, that suggests why one group, the critics, in this situation had a 36 or 37% differential between their rating of a film and the audience's rating of the film, I honestly can't point to it. I'm not surprised that the critic rating is where it is, and I wouldn't have been as surprised if the audience rating was the same. I wouldn't have been surprised. I'm also not surprised that it's as high as it is. So, yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting thing to look at, man. It's an interesting thing to look at. But I am thrilled, as an audience member myself, I am thrilled that it seems like audiences are really responding to Eternals. It's a very different kind of MCU movie. It has its weaknesses. It's not, in my opinion, it's not a top 10 MCU film, but it's another solid outing. And I thought a very different one and I quite enjoyed it. And I seem to enjoy it a little bit more every time I do see it. Anyway, guys, the question is for you. What do you think? about the fact that the audience seems to really like Eternals. It's holding an 86% right now. How are you guys feeling about it? Have you had a chance to see the movie yet? Do you agree? Do you disagree? By the way, guys, don't forget my most anticipated open spoiler discussion I think we've ever done on this show because of how many diverse opinions I think we're going to get. My number one most anticipated spoiler discussion show we've ever done for the Eternals is coming on Sunday. Don't forget, so the open spoiler discussion for Eternals is Sunday. You got today to see it, tomorrow to see it, the first early morning screenings of Eternals on Saturday, whatever. But please plan on joining us for that open spoiler discussion on that day. So whatever you guys are thinking about this, jump on down into the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys, and we are back. Thank you so much for your patience and indulgence. You know what? I'm going to be straight up and tell you guys what happened. Um, Here's what happened. So uh, straight up, what happened was uh, you guys know that uh, I am a proud owner of a Toyota CHR. I love my Toyota CHR, actually. I love it very much. But Ann's been driving a 2009 Honda Civic, and it's got 200,000 miles on it. And it's starting to feel like it might be starting to run out of life. So I bought an 
Uh, she's been wanting an electric car. I bought Anna Tesla yesterday, bought a Tesla Model Y. And today uh, she had some electricians over looking to install uh, an external uh, charger for the Tesla that we could plug into it, right? And they were asking her some questions to get a quote and she needed uh, that she didn't know the answers to those particular questions. So she needed me to come out there quick. So she was like, take a break on your show and come out and help me with this. So I had to take a break. So my apologies, guys. I apologize for that. It was, uh, yeah, we got kind of sidetracked there. But anyway, uh, let's get on now over to you guys who've been firing in your observations and comments for this using the Super Chat feature. So I'm just going to find out where it starts here. And it starts right about, where did we start? We started right here. Okay, let's get over to that right now. We're going to start things off here uh, with Elliot uh, Wizard send in. Uh, did see the movie again. Love it so much. Uh, Icarus is the best of the best for me. I did love Icarus. I thought he was really, Richard Madden was very, very good in the film. Uh, Joseph Michael writes, hopefully Eternals doesn't get any Razzie nominations. I don't think it will. I mean, listen, frankly, the critic rating isn't low enough to put it in Razzie range, and the audience rating is way too high for that. So I don't think you're going to see any Razzie nominations for Eternals. Uh, Spencer Nielsen writes, uh, now we know why you get so cranky when Anna's out of town. You can't see all the movies you want to see together. I mean, that's... That's part of it. It's like, not only can I not go to see the movies I want to go see because I got to see them with Anne, but also there's some TV shows I can't keep caught, caught up on because I can't watch the next episode without Anne there or else she would get mad at me. I don't blame her for that because I would get mad if she watched them without me too. All right, MPE writes, Eternal is up to its name as the movie goes on forever. <laughs> uh, I really like the movie. That's a good comment, man. That's good. As a matter of fact, we had some friends of ours that couldn't get tickets to our screening of it last night because it was sold out. So they end up going to like a 9.30 screaming, uh, screening. That's a long movie to start at 9.30. That's a long movie. It's a long-running film. All right, Rafael Castillo writes, <clears throat> Legal Eagle lawyer slash YouTuber who is very level-headed, has a very good video on the legal ramifications of the rush shooting, highly recommended. I watch a number of his videos. I have a legal background, so I'm, I'm always kind of interested. I've watched a number of his videos. I haven't seen that one yet, but I will have to check it out. All right, thanks for that, Raphael. Uh, LJ writes, Love Eternal, second watch today, again, again. I'm at four. I will probably see it a fifth. I'm not going to see it seven times in theaters like I did for uh, Shang-Chi, but I'll probably see it a fifth. Uh, let's see. Uh, Chris Leonardo writes, Love your show, John. Thank you so much. Appreciate the honest opinions. Keep up the great work. Oh, thank you, Chris. I appreciate that very much, man. And holy crap, I just noticed you'd like tipped in like $25 with that. Thank you, dude. It's always nice when somebody wants to write in just to say something encouraging. So I appreciate that. You just put a smile on my face, dude. All right, Taki75 writes, I saw Eternals yesterday and I liked it. No problem with the narrative, like the characters and their moral dilemmas. Look great, solid 7 out of 10 for me. Yeah, I, I'm right with you on that. I mean, I don't give scores to movies, but if I did, I think it would be right around there. Again, I've talked a lot about what I think are the weaknesses of the film, but I love when movies put the heroes in ethical dilemmas. And I love the fact that, without giving spoilers away, that Eternals presents our heroes with a major ethical dilemma. And... Different Eternals have different points of view, and it's I, I like that a lot. Anyway, uh, Ron H. writes, UFC 268 this weekend, John. Oh, that's what I'm doing all day tomorrow. 
Tomorrow for me is all about UFC 268. Who you got? I'm rooting for uh, the Whitman fighters, Usman, uh, Rose, Gaethje. I, hmm. Okay, definitely Usman wins. Definitely Gaethje wins. I mean, I think they're going to be good fights, and I think they're going to be relatively close fights, but I definitely have Usman winning, definitely have Gaethje. Rose has a fight. Now, Rose, I'm not going to say she got lucky. She landed a great head strike, a great leg kick leg kick she landed a great kick to her head uh, and got the win i thought it was a clean win but she's fighting a beast way is a beast and that's going to be close i i don't know how to call that rose fight it's going to be close all right next up amin writes uh what percentage of fans do you think are just giving positive reviews for eternals just because they don't want to say they agree with the critics i feel it might be a good chunk unfortunately no i think that's making up bullshit honestly amen that's just making up bullshit that's coming up with excuses why somebody else does something that you don't agree or that you try to come up with a reason when listen nothing drives me more crazy when we fans and i say we fans because we've all done it we've all done it it's just a matter of when we catch ourselves doing it. When something is going on about other people have an opinion about a movie or other people like something or don't like something, and we try to come up with an excuse as to why they do. And, and, and man, come on, man. You're a longtime viewer of the show, man. You know better, dude. You know better, brother. Come on, bro. You know better. That's just making up an ex- a bullshit excuse. There is nothing to back that up with. All right, next up. Uh, and But we've all done it. We've all done it. James Argenta writes, First post-credit of Eternals had biggest cheer in the theater for spoiler reasons. Also, did you see whose second person the second post-credit screen was? Yes, I did. Can't talk about it right now, but I absolutely did. I love both post-credit scenes, by the way. I love them both. Um, You know what? I might actually even prefer the second post-credit scene, but we'll talk about that on Sunday. Mark Nito writes, Busy this morning. I saw Foundation, Invasion, and Finch. Uh, Intrigued, uh, mysterious again, and totally amazed. Eternals awaits tonight. I haven't seen the newest episode of Foundation yet because I had to wait for, I mean, and got home, but then we went up to see Eternals last night, and we've been busy today. So I haven't seen that yet, and we haven't watched Finch yet. That's the new Tom Hanks movie. Uh, You know Tom Hanks is everything to Anne, so we're going to be watching that a little bit later. Uh, uh, B. Gill Studios writes, uh, Ariana was in the Nickelodeon shows. I had no idea. I don't give a shit about Nickelodeon. So there you go. But thank you for the update on that. Uh, Michael White just sends in a super chat badge to be supportive. Thank you, Michael White. I appreciate that, dude. Um, per, per Asanth, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce your last name because I'm just going to insult you if I do because I'm terrible at I'm terrible at Canadian names, let alone other names. Uh, but Peranseth writes, Just to let you know, Grande was an actress before becoming an artist. She was in a couple of Nickelodeon shows, as somebody else was just mentioning. uh, And I believe she was in a a Broadway show before. See, I don't care about the Nickelodeon stuff. That doesn't doesn't mean or prove anything. That's That's not thespianism. But if she was in a Broadway show before, that's... That's no slouch if you were in a Broadway show before. So that's interesting. No, thanks for sharing that, dude. Purple Queen writes, uh, Oh my God, just saw Eternals yesterday. It was amazing. Suspenseful, emotional, and beautifully shot. The final act was my favorite. I cannot wait for spoiler talk. I can't wait for spoiler talk either. Because not just because I really like the movie and I'm excited for everybody to tell me how much they like the movie. I'm actually really excited to hear from people who maybe didn't like it as much and why. 
and why they did, you know, because again, I think this is one of those really, really, this might be the most interesting MCU film yet. How's that for thing? I think it might be the most interesting, um, uh, MCU film so far. Soggy ass Max subscribe today. Just sends in a super chat to, to be supportive. Thank you, man. Colby writes, Mickey Minaj is queen of rap. Uh, Adriana Grande, queen of pop. Uh, listen, I, as long as Madonna is still alive, I mean, she clearly doesn't have the career today that she had, but as long as Madonna still lives, she's the, she's the only ass sitting on that throne. Like as long as Madonna is alive, hers is the only ass sitting on the throne as queen of pop. Uh, it just is. I'm not even a huge Madonna fan. I'm not, but there's, there ain't, there just ain't no getting around that in my opinion. All right, next up. Uh, let's see. Tyler Rod writes, I'm all for a Harry Potter cursed child movie, but I want Alfonso Cuaron back to direct. Prisoners of Azkaban was the best director of the franchise. Again, it's the one Harry Potter movie I didn't like, which is funny because most everybody else thinks it's the best Harry Potter movie. It just shows how we all have different opinions. All right, next up. Carson Hutchison writes, um, and send in like a $20 super chat. Thank you. Carson writes, Hey John, I've seen Dune at least six times. Bravo on HBO max. And I'm planning to see it on IMAX this weekend. I was wondering if HBO will release viewer numbers sometime soon. In fact, the only reason I got HBO max is to see Dune. Well, you're very rare because that's the thing. These streaming services put out this stuff on there in attempt to get brand new subscribers and them putting these movies out on HBO Max has not gotten them the kind of new subscribers that they thought. As a matter of fact, they have had growth in 2020, but when you look at the growth they had previous to the new year starting, you notice that the growth trajectory has pretty much stayed the same. They were kind of already on the same trajectory. So it's interesting. All right, next up. Soggy Ass Max writes, we're proud to announce that Daniel Day-Lewis has been cast for the new Battle of the Cosmos film directed by Steven Spielberg. Greatest director of all time, greatest actor of all time on the greatest new streaming service in the world, Soggy Ass Max. You can get Soggy Ass. You can get Soggy Ass Plus. You need Soggy Ass Mass. Max. I mean, uh, Jace Little writes, uh, does your press credentials allow you to see movies multiple times before the release date? Could you briefly explain that process? Guy, that's a question. You, this is not a part for questions. If you want to send in that question, send that in on a regular thing. But just so you know, there's no such thing as anymore as press credentials when it comes to film critics. But send that in in the appropriate thing, and we'll talk about it as a topic sometime. Uh, George uh, Mini Gerode writes, Long-time fan and first-time tipper. Thanks, man. As a Harry Potter fan, I would want—I would much rather see a movie focused on the trio in their adult lives than Cursed Child. And you know what, George? I think, again, I'm not totally tied into the Potterverse, but I kind of think most Harry Potter fans feel that way. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know, but I don't think you're wrong. All right, next up, Drew C. writes, Don't understand the hate Eternals is received. I'd say I like it better than Shang-Chi. Wasn't all that boring like people have been saying. That's crazy to me. Again, but all film is subjective, right? All film is subjective. There are a bunch of people who like it. There are a bunch of people who don't. It is what it is. I personally can understand why some people have have bigger issues with the film because I recognize the issues. Those issues aren't as big to me as they are to other people, but as they are to you. But I I get it. I get why there are people who don't like this film. I do. It doesn't stop me from liking it and think it's really enjoyable. But, yeah, I can kind of see it, Drew. All right, next up, James L.H. But I'm glad you liked it, man. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, James L.H. writes, 
Hey, John, finish work 8 p.m. in the U.K., uh, then it's Eternals at 8.30. Hope there's no critics got it wrong. There's no such thing as simple as like-dislike. And by the way, I, this makes me laugh. When people say critics got it wrong, well, which ones got it wrong? The half of the critics that liked it got it wrong or the half of the critics that didn't like it get it wrong? See, that's the stupid thing to me. Critics got it wrong. Well, the critics are almost completely evenly split. So what do you mean they got it wrong? Are you saying the critics, because either you're saying the critics that liked it got it wrong or the how did the critics get it wrong? Half of them like it, half of them don't. That makes no sense. So, yeah. Anyway, I hope you have a good time, James. Uh, uh, Zishan writes, people will be excited for the original trio, but only that. Cursed Child is terrible and has been dis- disowned by a lot of the fans. There's also the Fantastic Beast movies that aren't doing that well. Well, that's not true. The Fantastic Beast movies are doing well. They're not doing well as the Potter movies, but they are doing well. Uh, and I happen to like them. But again, they don't, even to me, a non-Potterhead, I don't think they capture the same magic that the first ones did. Anyway, thanks for sharing your thoughts on that, Zishan. Uh, Lord Genome 76 writes, I feel like Eternals is a DC main course with MCU appetizers. The action and concepts definitely gave me DC vibes. Then you have MCU comic relief. I See, I disagree. I've heard a couple of people throw out that, throw out, say, um, Eternals feels like a DC movie. I've seen the movie four times now, and I like every single DC movie other than Harley Quinn and the Fabulous Mets or the, the Birds of Prey and the Fabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. I don't like that one. But other than that, I like every single DCU movie, and I've seen this movie four times. I do not see it. And you're not alone, Lord Genome. I, I've heard other people say that, say, this movie kind of feels like a DC movie. I've seen the movie four damn times. I'm like, not once have I ever gotten that sense. And that's not a bad thing, nor a good thing. I'm just saying, I never once got that sense. But, you know, that's just me. I'm glad you had your experience, dude. All right, J.R. Wheeler writes, John talking about shocks in musicals, nothing beats Ewan McGregor in Moulin Rouge. When he first opens his mouth to sing, I was blown away, who knew? Yeah, he. I love Ewan McGregor in Moulin Rouge. That moment we start singing, my gift is my song, and this one's for you. And you can tell everybody this is your song. It's great. I mean, look, Hugh McGregor is not a world-class singer, but he did very, very well in that movie. And he also did very well, speaking of that Beauty and the Beast movie, remember? He was one of the characters in Beauty and the Beast as well, the live-action one. He's really good. I mean, he's not Hugh Jackman, but he is very good. All right, thanks for sharing that, JR. Uh, let see. Next up, uh, Dante uh, Surechia writes, Breaking news, Indiana Jones crew member found dead. Very sad and crazy news. Yeah, that came out yesterday. Um, He didn't die on set. He didn't die as a result of an accident. It's not like the Russ situation. Apparently, uh, one of the crew members, I think he was one of the cameramen uh, for Indiana Jones 5, was found in his hotel room. Now, the report that I read said he died of natural causes, which is a tragedy, but it's not like the Russ situation. It's, It's not. I saw some people writing last night, oh, another person died on set of a movie. No, they didn't die on set. They didn't die as a result of doing the job. Um, They had died, unfortunately, passed away in their hotel room. From what I've read so far, from what I've read so far. Uh, Lord Genome writes, overall, Eternals might be a top five MCU film to me. You know what? I've heard a number of people say the same thing. I don't think it's a top five for me, but I certainly like it. And you're not alone, Lord Genome. I've heard other people say it's a top five for them. Ben Rayner writes, 
Wonder Woman 84 was okay for me, uh, but I'm still looking forward to 3. I hope they don't go out of their way to bring back Pine. He was good in 84, but it made no sense story-wise, and it would feel forced in 3, in my opinion. I'm going to tell you right now, Ben. I'm going to tell you right now. Not only do I think Chris Pine will be back for 3, I will be surprised if he's not. Listen, you guys remember we talked on yesterday's show that I think Gal Gadot has very much improved as an actress. Because honestly, I, I thought at one point she's one of the worst, talent-wise, she's one of the worst actresses in the business. But over the years, every time I've seen her, she's made a bit of improvement. And then they see her again, and she made more improvement. To the point now that, you know what? I, I don't mind Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot being in a movie now. It, she's kind of following the same path for me as uh, I always freeze on uh, Magic Mike Boy, Channing Tatum. She's taking the same trajectory for me as Channing Tatum did, who I used to think was the worst in the business, and now I love Channing Tatum. And it, for a long time, I thought he was the worst actor in Hollywood getting work, but he busted his ass and busted his ass and busted his ass and worked and worked and worked and learned and learned and learned, and he kept getting better, and now I love seeing him in things. And hopefully, fingers crossed, but even though I think Gal Gadot is getting better, and she definitely is, Chris Pine, to me, has been the heartbeat of the franchise. He's done the majority of the, the carrying the weight of the movie with his performance and the chemistry he creates between him and Gal. So I will be, I'm not saying he will be in three, but I'm saying I'll be surprised if he's not. I'm not saying I disagree with you that they shouldn't put him in. But I not only do I think they will put him in, I think yeah, it'll be really surprised if they don't. Okay, anyway, uh, Dan's Productions writes, I don't think that the MCU is going to get affected by this Rotten Tomato score. Not at all. Uh, they can learn from this. Feige don't seem to care about the Rotten Tomato score. No, absolutely, he doesn't. Kevin Feige cares about one opinion, and that's Kevin Feige's. That's it. And he's not going to be... Look, you can't do 26 films and not have some diversity in opinion. You can't go 26 films in a row and not have some diversity of opinion. It's just not possible. Every once in a while, you're going to get an Iron Man 2, and you're going to get a Thor Dark World, and you're going to get an Eternals. But when you're when you're 23 and 3, and I listen, I personally count Eternals as a win. So if you're 24 and 2, you don't let the odd road bump throw you off your plans. All right, uh, Double B Studios writes, Marvel hyped this movie, Kevin Feige included, and maybe the critics went in thinking the movie was Oscar-worthy. Listen, anticipation definitely affects our overall experience of a movie. Whether it's low expectation or super high expectation, whatever expectation levels we go into a movie with, there's no denying it does affect to some degree the experience that we have. And maybe that was... One of the reasons for some of the critics, maybe, I don't know. I, I don't want to ascribe any excuses, but maybe super, super high expectations may have affected a couple of the critics. I don't think it, it corrected like every critic who didn't like the movie. That's was the reason. Now, I don't believe that, but maybe it affected a couple. Maybe it's not a bad observation. Double. All right. Double B studios also writes, uh, thanks Sean for all the viewer participation <clears throat> by far. Your first on my YouTube watch list. Oh, thanks so much, man. And listen, 
I, I love the interaction part of our show. I really do. Thank you so much for that, Double B Studio. Uh, Jay Bling writes, Eternals is far superior to Thor The Dark World. I agree. I think it's a better, it's, I think it's definitely a better movie than Thor The Dark World. I, I think Thor The Dark World is either the second worst MCU movie or worst MCU. Probably second worst. I think I got to put Iron Man 2 as my worst. But I agree. I, I personally think Dune is is better than, or Dune, Thor, that Eternals is better than Thor The Dark World. All right, Northern Sticks writes, it would uh, it would really good to see you do a Dune spoiler discussion, John. Too late. <clears throat> um, I'll only do a spoiler discussion if I can do it like that first week of release. So it's it's too late for me to do a, a Dune spoiler discussion, unfortunately. But thanks for asking, man. I appreciate that. Double B Studios writes, I would install that electric plug for you for free. Trade you for that Harry Cavill cutout. No, no, no. I he, he, Henry ain't going nowhere. Okay, don't, don't. I Look, I see the way you're looking at me, dude. That look of betrayal. Don't worry about it. I ain't giving you away. Okay, you get to stay here. You hurt Henry's feelings, man. Don't do that. Henry stays. Henry absolutely stays. Uh, okay, uh, where are we at next? Uh, we are at uh, Dan's Productions writes, uh, Ariana Grande uh, is also an actress. She's been on Broadway. So, yeah, some other people were pointing that out. I never knew she had done Broadway. See, I don't know much about uh, Ariana Grande. You know, I was, I've just realized I've been saying all show Adriana Grande. That shows you how much I don't give a shit, right? Ariana Grande. There you go. But the girl can sing, man. That girl can belt. All right. Um, Galliet Productions writes, I'm sick of the Spidey talk. Just wait for the movie. That's that's one of the most idiotic things. <laughs> okay, anyway, uh, by the way, I did a couple of shows with Rob. Hope you're doing well, John. Big fan. Listen, uh, that's like saying, I'm sick of hearing about the Super Bowl. Just wait till the Super Bowl happens. Come on, man. You can't be that naive. You can't be that naive. Spider-Man is the biggest movie coming on the immediate horizon. We are movie fans. That's the biggest movie coming on the immediate horizon. I'm not saying there's not going to be bigger ones in late 2022 or 2023, but I'm saying for now, that's it. It's the Super Bowl. You think you can tune into any sports show anywhere within two weeks of the Super Bowl and not have the lead story be Super Bowl? Oh, this is a collection of movie fans? Don't talk about the biggest movie coming. Just wait till the movie comes out. What, what what are we doing here? What are we doing here as a collection of movie fans if we're not going to talk about the single biggest movie on the horizon coming that's that's now within a stone's throw away? It's getting close. Yeah, but don't talk about that. What should we talk about? Talk, talk about fish. Fish are, are wonderful creatures, and they're pretty, and they're beautiful. Talk about fish. What? I'm, and I'm just grinding your gears, man. I'm giving you a hard time. I'm just giving you a hard time. But yes, of course we're going to talk about, of course we're going to talk about the biggest movie coming. Obviously we are, dude. Obviously we are. All right. Uh, next, we got Anthony Cole who writes, uh, critics did not hate Eternals. They hated that Chloe Zhao lowered herself to directing it. I, I don't think so. Critics love MCU movies, man. Critics love comic book movies. I, a lot of the critics do. Critics do not look at Chloe Zhao and think she lowered herself. I don't know one critic anywhere, and I'm sure there is because there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of film critics. I'm sure there is. I'm just saying I know a hell of a lot of film critics. I don't know one film critic who goes, I hate that Chloe Zhao lowered herself to doing an MCU movie. Did you, can, 
Do I need to remind you? Do I need to remind you? Hold a second here. Let's let's just do this. This is going to remind you one little time here. The last big comic book movie that came out, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings with a magic dragon that flies out of the water. And yeah, yay. Look at the critics thought of it. The critics, freaking 92%. 92%. Tell me again that the only reason critics didn't like Shang-Chi, and by the way, only half of them didn't like it, but the reason the critics who didn't like it didn't like it was because they hated that that uh, Chloe Zhao lowered herself to do a comic book movie. Really, the, the same critics who gave Shang-Chi a 92% are mad that Chloe Zhao did a comic book movie. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. Think about that. All right, anyway, that's just me. All right, thanks for sending in your thoughts, though, Anthony. Again, I hope you know we're just having fun here, right? If you write in a comment, I'm going to grind your gears a little bit, right? But no personal attack is being intended here. We're just having some fun. All right. Double B Studios writes, I'm going to go into Eternals with an open mind. I got 14 tickets for friends and family at Dolby AMC Phoenix. Nice. Excited as hell. DC, Marvel, Unite. And, and that's the right attitude, man. We, I, I am. Here's the thing. People often ask me. Like, I'll say I'm a DCU fan. Yeah, and I'm an MCU fan. But, but really, I don't. I'm a comic book movie fan. I like comic book movies. I don't care which corporate label's on them. Just give me a good movie, man. That's all we care about. I hope you have a good time, man. I really do. Uh, Alex Movies Corner sends in a super chat badge to be supportive. Thank you, man. Raul Ranjan writes, Hey, John, I watched Eternals today, and I loved it. It was uh, I was scared with all the critic reviews, but to my surprise, I enjoyed the mythos and the story type. Again, it was only like half the critics that didn't like it. I mean, a lot of them still did. All right, Joel Rolston. But, but was it concerning seeing? This is the law. I mean, like, look. Forget however this looks like it's being painted. The reality is that Eternals is the lowest critically rated, not comic book movie, but MCU movie ever. It's the lowest out of all 26-something projects. It is the absolute lowest critically rated one yet. It's still a lot higher than a lot of other comic book movies, but it is what it is. I mean, so yeah, I could understand that maybe you making you making you a little bit nervous going in to watch it. All right. Uh, let's see here. That was Raul. Uh, Joel Rolston writes, John, do you think Eternals would have fared better with critics if the if the tonality had been used with uh, vignettes like the Coens and Wes Andersons have done? Again, asking a question, I, leave that for another part of the show. We're just taking your comments. But basically, no, I think you're looking for a formula to answer the issue and i don't think formula is ever the cause of things anyway that's just me uh shuvo Raman writes wish they had dolby cinema in canada imax is 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 canadian thankfully weirdly excited for eternals listen and eternals looks great on imax Anna and i just went to go watch it in imax had a great time watching it on that enjoy yourself but yeah i wish you guys had prime there too all right double b studios writes i haven't watched superman or batman versus superman so my top superman movie is superman 3 with richard Pryor. Oh, man. A movie in which Superman fights a computer that restrains him by wrapping him up in computer wires. Bet you didn't know that. Superman, the Christopher Reeve Superman, 
who could fly at such speeds around the Earth that he reversed the rotation of the Earth to turn back time to save the life of Lois Lane, he can't break computer wires. Didn't know that till Superman 3 showed us that. All right, uh, next up. Enrique uh, Caresses writes, can't wait to see a commercial of AMC at AMC. Dude, don't even get me started. Did you guys see the thing I did yesterday on that? You know what I'm going to do? Just I've, I've had a lot of people write in and comment about it. I'm going to... I'm going to go back to yesterday's show and I'm going to segment out that discussion we had about AMC showing AMC commercials while you're sitting in an AMC theater. I think I'm going to segment that out and put it up online. Thanks for that, Enrique. Uh, Anthony Cole writes, I worked, I worded my comment badly thinking back on it, but I read 30 reviews that said that Zhao lowered herself uh, or should go back to directing worthy movies. I, I, I've read a hell of a lot of reviews, Anthony. I, I've never seen, I mean, maybe, again, I'm sure in the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, you're going to find maybe one or two people that have that opinion. I'm sure you're going to find one or two people that think the earth is flat, but I, I've, I, no, no. All right, uh, Patrick Tyler writes, and this will end it off, guys. We're going to end things off here. I'm going to turn off the super chat feature so we can get on to uh, our questions that you guys have sent in. Uh, but we're going to end things off here with Patrick Tyler who writes, Eternals was good, and yes, it felt like an MCU movie. I'm glad it felt like an MCU movie to you. I'm, I'm glad you did. I, to me, it did not. <clears throat> and that's I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but it really didn't feel like an MCU movie to me. The post credit scenes felt very MCU to me. Like, not just because they're post credit scenes, but I mean, the nature of the both the post credit scenes felt very, very, very in line with Marvel DNA. But I didn't find the rest of the movie to feel that way at all. But then again, uh, that's just me. Um, oh, sorry. And then Colby also said, I missed Colby there. Uh, Colby wrote, uh, loved Eternals. I'm seeing it again tomorrow night. Awesome, man. I hope you have a good time watching it for your second time. I've personally enjoyed a little bit more each time that I've seen it. So there's that. All right, guys. Thanks for sending all those comments. Uh, and by the way, guys, please, do continue to let me know. Either email me at john at thejohncapishow.com or leave a comment in the video. Let me know if you like us having this segment where we take your comments on the topics we've been talking about. I'm personally really enjoying them, but you guys let me know. If you're not liking it, we'll stop it. If you like it, we'll keep going. All right. With that all down to go now, guys, let's go on over and start taking your questions. By the way, for Hayden sends in a super chat badge just to be supportive. Thank you for Hayden. All right, let's get on over and start taking the questions you guys have been sending in ever since yesterday. We're going to start things off here with Dune, where's my car? Dude, best username I've heard today. Best username I've heard today. That's awesome. Okay. Um, Dune, where's my car? Writes, what's up, John? I just wanted to tell you how much I enjoy your show, man. Thank you, dude. You make me look at movies in a different light, and because of you, my love for movies have grown. Thanks for all that you do and bring on the filthy. Dude, that's so kind of you. Uh, part two, I came across your show earlier this year while you were doing a spoiler discussion for my favorite show, WandaVision. That was fun. Uh, and I've been a fan ever since. But, John, I really think people should wait to see Eternals before saying it's a bad movie. Thoughts? Listen, I'll go one step further than that, Dune, Words My Car. People should see a movie before saying it's good or bad. You can say a movie looks good. You can say a movie looks bad before you see it. But nobody should pronounce that a movie is good or that movie sucks if you haven't seen it. 
If you haven't seen it, you have no right to say it's great or it's terrible, that it's good or it's bad. You can say it looks bad to me. You can say I've heard it's good. That's all cool. But yeah, it's not just a matter of semantics. It's an important distinction, I think. All right, thanks for sharing that, Dune. Jack Lumbers writes, do you think there are there's a good chance we will see either the Pizza Planet or Woody make a back, background cameo appearance in Lightyear? No, because this is supposed to be something that this is what the toy is based on is this movie. So there would be no reason to have pizza planet or that. Now, the only exception I can see to that is if in the light year movie, the movie starts with the toys in toy story and they, you know, all the humans are out of the house and they decide to watch a movie Say, hey, this is the one you're based on. And we see the toys all get together, sit down, slink, piggy bank, you know, all that kind of stuff. T-Rex, they all get together to sit down. If that's the case, maybe there'll be a Pizza Planet box in the background and definitely we'll see Woody. But unless they do that, and I don't know that they will, unless they do that, I don't think you're going to see them. All right, uh, next up, Sam Fisher writes, Admit it, John, you only like the Sing 2 trailer because I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You, you too, Sam. Just kidding. It was a legit great trailer. Hey, listen, I even said in the show yesterday, maybe I did just like it because it had that U2. Because I think still haven't found what I'm looking for is like a top five greatest song of all time. By the way, my number, what I think is the best song ever written um, is actually Where the Streets Have No Name. I think that is the greatest song ever written. But Still haven't found what I'm looking for. I think it's a top five song, and maybe that's why I liked it so much. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Uh, Ryan Holman writes, Hey, John, if I'm not mistaken, Batman has a moral code to not kill. Sometimes it depends on which era of the Batman comics you're reading. However, looking at the trailers for this new Batman, Pattinson is, uh, Pattinson is playing, gives me the impression that this version might not have that rule. Did you get that impression? Well, here's the thing. Like we've this has come up a lot. First of all, Batman has and does um, at periods of time within the history of the comics is killed. Batman is killed in the comics. I actually showed you guys once this this one. I think it was from the eighties, where Batman and Robin are having this discussion in the Batcave, and Robin. I think it's the Jason, um, the Jason Todd iteration of Robin, is basically suggesting that they take out this one criminal. And says, like, no, Robin, that's not our place to kill them. And Robin says to him, remember, I brought this up, on the, I showed this comic strip. And Robin says to him, but you've killed people. And Batman says, yes, in self-defense, but we're not executioners. We don't go out and blah, blah, blah. So Batman kills. He has. But then you get into certain runs of Batman where it's in eras of Batman where Batman has this really solid moral code. Reality is this. Michael Keaton's Batman is killed. Christian Bale's Batman is killed. Ben Affleck's Batman is killed. Uh, Robert Pattinson's Batman is going to kill some people. Uh, All the superheroes do. So, yeah, it's it's not unique. It's not rare. uh, But, you know, is what it is. All right. Thanks for writing that in, man. Next up. uh, That was Rylan. Rylan also writes, for the new Pixar film Lightyear, if Zerg is in it, do you think they will keep Zerg as Buzz's father or change it so that the reference in Toy Story 2 was just a nod to Star Wars? That's a good Question. First of all, if that whole thing is built on, you know, Star Command, the whole basis of Star Command is that they're against Zerg. I do expect to see Zerg in it. And 
if the toy is based on the movie, maybe we do find out that Zerg is the father. I'll put, that's a great question, Rylan. I'm going to give it a 50-50 chance right now. I'm going to say it's a 50-50 chance. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up, Eternals Reality Rights. One of four. Hey, John, big fan of the show. Thank you so much, man. Uh, I've noticed regarding Eternals Rotten Tomatoes reviews that even the positive reviews are not very glowing. Well, some are. Like, like anything, some of the positive reviews are, I like this movie. It, uh, I like it. And some are, I think this is the greatest movie of all time. That's the key about Rotten Tomatoes ratings, right? When It's either a thumbs up or a thumbs down. It's either I like it or I don't like it. It's just that simple. It's that pure, right? So when you see Shang-Chi get a 92%, that doesn't mean every critic thinks it's the greatest thing ever. I'm sure some do. But it also means some of them are going to be, yeah, it's it's pretty good. I, I like it. And if I got to say whether I liked it or I didn't, I'll say that I liked it. Right? So you're going to definitely see that mix in every single movie review. In every single movie review, even the badly reviewed movies, it'll be like some will be, this is the worst thing ever. And then some will be, you know what? It's not that bad. But yeah, overall, I didn't like it. So even in the most horrible reviews, right? So you just got to understand that's part of the reality of it. Anyway, I've noticed uh, regarding the eternal reviews that even the positive reviews are not very glowing. Uh, most have big issues with the film and many say it was even bad. Yet they still give it a positive rating. Red Tomato. Why? Um, that means that they are not being genuine. Okay, right there, Eternals Reality, you're wrong. You're just wrong. Anyway, uh, that means they are not being genuine. Uh, you keep saying the majority of the critics liked it, and I still love you, bro, but in reality, the majority of critics really didn't like this movie at all. Don't take my word for it. Read the critics' comments on Rotten Tomatoes. Here's an example of what I mean. A critic, Daniel James, gave it a fresh tomato, but look at what he said about it. A mishmash of well-meaning yet jarringly verbose and bafflingly incoherent nonsense, which only just about saved, which only just about saved some half-decent performances. Uh, yet another critic, Nell Minow. Oh, I know Nell Minow. She's like the mom's thing. I know now. I've read her review. Um, Nell Minow said, I'm sorry to tell you this movie is a mess and there are tons like this. I'm sorry, John, but these should be rotten tomatoes. What the fuck? LOL. It's like they were all forced to give a fresh tomato. Help me understand. Okay, look. Let me give you an example of it. By the way, you're only handpicking one statement from Nell in her review because I've read Nell. I, I don't know the other one, but I've read Nell, uh, Nell's review. And you're leaving out the parts where she says it's got fantastic cinematography. You're leaving out the part where she said it has incredible performances. You're also leaving out the part where she says it's not a bad movie. Look, when let's look at a, a movie that I talk about sometimes. The Will Smith version of uh, Suicide Squad, right? Suicide Squad. What do I say about Suicide Squad? Besides the fact that I always say, I like this movie, right? But for those of you guys, do you, what is the one phrase? I'm going to see how many of you guys really know your John Campia trivia. What, what is the one phrase I always say about Suicide Squad, the, the Will Smith one? When it comes up, what is the one phrase? I'm looking in the live chat to see if any of you know what it is I'm going to say. But what is the one phrase? Jimmy 22 and uh, Sephoroth, uh and Andy, and a bunch of you guys did get it. I'm impressed. Well done, guys. Here's what I always say. That's a hot mess of a movie. It is. Now, if you wanted to cherry pick that one comment that I made about it, then I say it is a hot mess of a movie. 
the editing is like way all over the place. They did not nearly like they hype up the jokers in it. Then they barely give us any Joker and Harley like blah, blah. If you wanted to cherry pick out certain statements that I made about the movie, you could do that and then paint the picture that I overall didn't like the film. But the reality is I did like the film. There are problems with it. I acknowledge those problems. I talk about those problems. Hell, I talk about a lot. Every You saw how many people were able to see, pull out the fact that whenever I talk about Suicide Squad, the number one thing I say about it, it is a hot mess of a movie. But there are other elements to the movie that made it where at the end of the day, the end result in the balance sheet was I had a good time. I had a good time. John, how could you give the red thumbs up tomato when you said it's a hot mess of a movie? Well, because it is a hot mess of a movie to me, but there are other things about it that tip the scales to me enjoying it. I don't think it's one of the better DCU movies. I do not think it's one of the better comic book movies. But at the end of the day, I liked it, even with all the problems that I will talk about a lot. And here's the problem. We live in a 10, 10, 10, 0, 0, 0 world where everybody wants to rate everything as the best thing ever or the worst thing ever. There's no such thing as nuance anymore. Like, I remember there was one, there was actually a comment in my first out of the theater reaction to Eternals what somebody literally said, he didn't say he liked it as much as Shang-Chi He hated it. He must have hated it. And that's kind of a reflection today. There's no such thing as nuance. Like, people want you to say, this is the best thing ever. Everything's perfect. Oh, my God, it's glory upon glory. And if you don't, that means you hated it. Let alone critics who will come out and say, okay, look, I like this movie. But it's a hot mess. And it does this wrong, and it does this wrong, and it does this wrong. Yeah, that's what critics are supposed to do. It's not how fans talk about things. If they don't dislike a movie, all they'll say is the shit about it. If they like a movie, all they'll say is why it's the best thing ever. But that's not what critics do. They will break it down. And yeah, you're going to find a lot of negative reviews about Eternals that will say some very positive things. And you're going to find positive reviews about... Uh, about Eternals, that'll say some very negative things. But that's the nature of the game, man. That's the nature of the game. So yeah, is what it is. All right, thanks for writing in your thoughts, though, dude. I appreciate it. All right, next up, uh, we've got, uh, that's the wrong one. We've got Anonymous Viewer who writes. Um, Where are we at? Hey, John, super excited for this season of Stranger Things. I'm looking forward to it, too, as well. Uh, I know filming took about 300 days, but now it has been filmed, but they have yet to reveal a release date. Do you know why it's taking so long to reveal the release date? Who cares? It doesn't matter. Netflix Netflix will often, with a lot of their shows, they'll get close to when the show's coming out, and then they'll announce a release date often within two months of when it's coming out. It's not uncommon for Netflix to do, so I wouldn't worry about it. I wouldn't read anything into it. It is what it is. All right. Uh, Next up. Thanks for writing that in, Anonymous. Uh, Alan Gonzalez writes, Hey, John. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing great. Thank you. I was wondering how studios send movies to all theaters. Uh, Also, do they still use the film or like a digital form of it? I'm guessing they probably send it far in advance 
to do subs and trans translations, right? Do you know? Well, first of all, movie theaters do not put in the subtitles and movie theaters do not put in uh, any of that kind of stuff or, or the dubs or anything. The theater, that's done before it comes to the theater. In olden days, you actually had to get a big physical reels of all the, the, the movies, put them on trucks, ship them out across the country. It was a very expensive process. It was a very expensive and long, pro- prolonged process to get that done. Then they started shipping hard drives. I remember there was an era when they started actually now instead of shipping all these big film cancers, they shipped a hard drive that held the movie on it. Today, it's basically now um, just transferred over online. And they're huge files. Like, they're massive. But now there are the theaters themselves can download that content through secure servers. And that now that's not how every theater works, but I believe that's how the majority of the theaters work today. Uh, not that I work in the theater part anymore. It's been a number of years since I worked at AMC, but that was the way they were starting to do things. So that's the way I kind of um, think they're kind of doing it. All right. BK Dan writes, John, after seeing Eternals, my predictions for opening week weekend U.S. is 79 million. That looks very possible now. And a total of 825 million worldwide. I, that might be high. I don't see it making 825 million. I hope you're right, but I don't see it getting that. I feel from seeing it that that is where it will land. Still have hope for No Way Home to be the first Marvel since COVID to break a billion. I, I think it's got a shot. Spider-Man No Way Home definitely has a shot, I think, to make a billion. We'll have to wait and see. All right, thanks for that, BK. Uh, Phil writes in one of two. Uh, In response to an earlier Super Chat on Thursday, November the 4th show, that's yesterday's show, regarding Daniel Day Kim's appearance on Star Trek Voyager was called Blink of an Eye. That's right, somebody mentioned that. I'm like, I saw all of Star Trek Voyager, and I do not remember Daniel Day Kim being in it. Uh, It was called Blink of an Eye, where he plays a character whose planet's pace in time moves faster than Voyager's time. One of my favorite episodes from that series, Can't Wait for Eternals, and your forthcoming discussion regarding Eternals. Well, first of all, Phil, thank you so much for the courtesy of giving us that information, man. I appreciate that. And secondly, yes, I am also very, very excited about our Eternals open spoiler discussion on Sunday. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, because I think we're all, a lot of people are going to have a lot of different opinions on it, and I'm very, very excited about it. Thanks for sending that in, uh, Phil. All right, next up, we've got Ben Rayner. And Ben Rayner writes, Hey, John. November 22nd is right around the corner. You know what's special about that date? 30 years ago on November 22nd, Beauty and the Beast came out. Speaking of Beauty and the Beast, the first animated movie to be nominated for Best Picture. Um, This is my favorite animated movie, my number three all time. I love this movie so much. What are your thoughts on this masterpiece? Perfect blend of 2D and CGI to this day for animation. Thanks Thanks for your shows. Bring on the filthy. All right, thanks a lot for that, Ben. Listen. I honestly could sit here and talk about the original animated Beauty and the Beast all day. And and it's often brought up, and it should be brought up. You're right, Ben. It is the first animated film in history to get nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. There have been a few, and there have only been a few since. I believe Up was nominated. Help me out in the live chat, guys, which ones I'm missing. Up was nominated for Best Picture of the Academy Awards. Um, Toy Story 3 was nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. And there was one other 
What was the one other that I'm missing? So up Toy Story 3, and I thought there was one more. Or is that it? No, Raya was not. I don't think Lion King was nominated for Best Picture. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. But I mean, Beauty and the Beast, yeah, that was the first one. I don't think Incredibles was. I don't think Ratatouille was. Coco wasn't. Was Wally? I can't remember. Inside Out wasn't. But at any rate, um, yeah, there are there. So there have only been a couple. It's magic, and it holds up to this day. It is a fantastic, fantastic movie. I love it. My number one all-time favorite animated film is still Lion King, but Beauty and the Beast. Uh, ranks right up there. Uh, ranks right up there. So hold on a second. I just got to... Um, hold on a second. There, hold on a second. I just had to write something in there. Uh, got a couple of guys acting like four-year-olds in the live chat. At any rate, uh, let's move on here. Uh, next up, we are at Jordan, who writes... One or two. Hi, John. Did you hear of the death on the set of Indiana Jones 5? Yeah, we talked about that a little bit earlier. Uh, Nick Kupak, who was a crew member, has died. I'm sure this will sound like BS, but my partner works with his partner. So we heard about it in person. It's so sad. However, I wouldn't buy into... um, uh, I wouldn't buy into the initial headlines about the cause of death because his partner was told something very different. And it's it really is troubling. Second death on a movie set in such a horrible period of time. Very sad. Also, he was a camera operator. Yeah, see, here's the thing. Um, I as, as more and more information comes out, I start to believe reports once more information comes in. And so what we're hearing was it, what he did not die on set. He was found in his hotel room and that it was of quote-unquote natural causes. Um, so, yeah, I do buy it. I do buy that. Like, I'm sure when people get told initially first, it's very early in the process. So, I know maybe it was something different, but I, I do buy that uh, for now. I'll just let you know. And honestly, the deepest condolences to your friend who obviously knew them. It's a tragedy. Even though they didn't die on set or whatever, it's still a tragedy whenever something like that happens. And our deepest condolences. All right. Next up. Uh, where are we at? We're at Yaz, who writes. Um, one of three. I've wanted to ask this for a while, but never sat down to gather my thoughts. Here it goes. How do you feel about movies that make no narrative sense to you? I remember critic reviews of The Lighthouse where they all loved it, but not every one of them knew uh, what the fuck it was about. That's crazy to me. I'm here for rich and engaging stories. If the story loses me majorly, I find it hard to care about the rest of it. Sure, I can read or watch an explainer video, but that's not satisfying like when somebody has to explain a joke to you. You're very right about that. It lessens the impact. I don't need every question answered. I just need a fulfilling story. How do you find enjoyment in these types of films? Also, admit you hate In-N-Out because they don't put mayo and burgers. Oh, I'm not going to lie to you. That's one of the reasons. At least their shitty burgers would taste a little bit better if mayo was on them. But no, In-N-Out burger sucks. I risk my marriage every time I say that, by the way, because my wife loves In-N-Out. All my friends love an In-N-Out. You're all crazy. In-N-Out sucks. I don't know what you guys are tasting. What's going on? It's terrible. My wife loves it. I shouldn't say it too loud because she'll come in here and start yelling at me. Okay, so um, where are we at here? Oh, yeah, look, you just gave a great example, The Lighthouse, because I'm one of those guys 
who came out of Lifehouse going, I, I really liked it. I have no idea what the fuck was going on, though. How does that happen? Remember, we were just talking a little bit ago. So there are multiple things that go into making your experience at a movie. All right. Making your experience in a movie. I'm number, it's not just one thing. There's no one issue. There's multiple things that go into making into helping shape your overall experience with a movie. And like Lighthouse is a great example, because for me, I was so engaged with the cinematography and with the chemistry between Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson and their performances. And just as they're sitting at night at a table and telling stories back and forth and blah, blah, I was so engrossed in it. I was so engaged. I was like hanging on every word and I was just having a real good time. But what the fuck was that movie about? Hey, listen, I'm pretty smart. I ain't the smartest guy in the room, but I'm pretty smart when it comes to understanding the underlying context of what a filmmaker is trying to say in their prose. I get it. But that that one to me was like, I, wh- wh- what the fuck did I just watch? What the hell was that? I'm with you. I'm totally with you. I... I, I do not, but but see, that's the thing again. While one major thing was terrible about it, there was a lot of other stuff in it that you would really get engaged in. But it all depends what you as an individual, which elements are important to you, right? So you can have a, a movie where the action's terrible, but you still really enjoyed it. You can have a movie where there's some awful performances, but you can still really enjoy it. You can watch a movie that has terrible this or terrible that or whatever, but still overall find it enjoyable. And I think that was the case with, uh, with lighthouse, brilliant performances, all this kind of stuff. I was enriched by watching it, but I had no idea what the hell was going on, especially by the end of that movie with the half fish. I'm like, I, okay, I've checked out. I had no idea what's going on. I understand that it's based on the myth. I get it, but, but yeah, there's that. That's a good one. That's an excellent example to bring up. Yes, it really is. All right. Got time for just a couple more here, guys. Jordan writes, the initial headlines about cause of death uh, because of his partner was told something very different and it's really troubling. Second death on a movie. So- oh, sorry. We already read that part. Sorry about that, Jordan. All right. Bob Z, one of two. Uh, I also did the Antlers slash Last Night in Soho double feature. Good on you, man. Antlers was good. Uh, but but a bit too serious and had great ideas that weren't fleshed out enough. The monster was great. Last night in Soho was really good, but in my opinion, got a little wonky towards the end. Look, I'm about to do a double feature of Antlers and Last Night in Soho, so I can't speak to it, but Bob Z, you're not the first person to tell me that the ending of the film gets really crazy. Some people are loving it. Some people are a little iffy on it. But I have been hearing from a lot of people that the ending of Last Night and So was totally nuts, and I'm very, very excited about checking it out. All right, thanks for sharing that, man. Bob Z also writes, Anya Taylor-Joy was great as always, uh, but uh, Thomason McKenzie's performance was incredible. I loved her in this even more than in Jojo Rabbit. She's on pace to be a big star. I've been hearing that from a lot of people, that McKenzie in this thing is great. Now, obviously, caught my attention that she was in it because I loved her in Jojo Rabbit. If you haven't seen Jojo Rabbit, by the way, guys, Cancel one of your plans this weekend and watch Jojo Rabbit instead. Anyway, Taika Waititi directed it. It's a fabulous movie. 
But I've been hearing from a lot of people, Bob, that she's really good in it. And I can't wait to see her performance. All right, Dangerous D writes, Hey, John, I watched the first season of Remington Steel. Nice. And I must admit, it still holds to this day. I think it could be one of those 80s shows that rebooted for the modern day. The theme of women being underestimated is still prevalent throughout, no, though not as bad as before thoughts. Yeah, Remington Steel was, was awesome. I remember I watched that even in the, its reruns as a kid. I would watch Remington Steel. It's the reason why Pierce Brosnan got to be Bond. It was, he was already big and famous. It was Remington Steel. You know, uh, this excellent investigator, but no one's taking her seriously because she's a woman and she has to get this face, Pierce Brosnan, to be Remington Steel so people will hire their agency. It's so relevant for today. That is more applicable today, I think, than ever before. So you're right. I would totally be down. Um, I would totally be down through uh, for uh, for a Remington Steel revisit. I would totally be down for a reboot of that. Absolutely, I would. Movie, not maybe not another TV series, but a movie. I'd be totally down for a Remington Steel movie. I really would. All right. Uh, next up, well, this will be our last one for the day, guys. Come from us from the Jughead One who writes. Uh, LOL. Hi, John Stonebanks Campia. Loved your AMC slash Nicole Kidman rant last night. Love and respect from the UK, bro. Again, I think I'm going to go back and segment that out of yesterday's show and put it up as its own video just because I did have a lot of fun with that. So thank you for the kind words, man. But I said that was the last one. We'll make this the last one. Uh, Rayan Butt writes, Sony changed their universe's name from Sony Pictures Universe of Marvel Characters, or Spunk, which was always a bad idea, to Sony's Spider-Man's Spider-Man Universe this past August. To me, the simple addition of Spider-Man, uh, when it wasn't there before, lends more credence that Sony is taking him back. You know what? That is a great point. I think that's a point not a lot of people are talking about. In talking about all the things that are pointing towards the fact that Sony is going to take Spider-Man back from the MCU. I think he's going to be able to pop up in the MCU from, from time to time. But uh, there's a couple of big things that people don't talk about. Big piece of evidence, number one, is, and we talked about six or seven different pieces of evidence the other day, but one of the biggest ones that nobody's talking about is Spider-Man, the MCU Spider-Man director, John Watts, is moving off of Spider-Man. John Watts is moving to Fantastic Four. That should be a big, big indicator to people that Spider-Man's not going to be in the MCU anymore. So John Watts is now free. He's going to go over and do Fantastic Four. But one I haven't talked about, and you're right, a while ago, Sony changed their name to the Spider to the Sony Spider-Man universe. And that should also be a very big indicator that they're actually calling it now their Spider-Man universe. Again, nothing is for sure. I still think there are some very good arguments to be made for him staying in the MCU. I do. I'm not going to be shocked if he stays in the MCU. But I lean towards him leaving, and I think there's a lot of stuff for that, and I think uh, you just brought up a good point of that. Okay, guys, listen. There are still more questions to come from Sam Fisher, um, Jacob K., Brazilian Dude, and others. Do not worry, guys. We're going to do a companion video this weekend, and we're going to get all caught up on the questions. Not a whole ton left over here, so we're going to get all caught up on the questions that have been sent in. Don't worry. Stay tuned. That's coming. But, guys, don't forget, Sunday, please mark it down. 
Sunday, probably in the afternoon on Sunday, probably around 3 or 4 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time, Los Angeles time on Sunday, we've got our Eternals open spoiler discussion. Get out that you got tonight, tomorrow, and first part of Sunday to go out and see it. Then come on back and join us Sunday for that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, guys, with all of that, Thank you so much for being here and making the John Campus Show a part of your day. We really appreciate it a lot, guys. We know there's a lot of things you can be doing with your time. The fact that you hung out here with us is, is actually really humbling. So thank you guys so much for that very much. Special thank you to all you guys who fired in your comments in the uh, Super Chats and all you guys who sent in your questions for topics. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did. And all of us here involved with the John Campus Show, thank you guys so much for your support. And don't forget also, if you want to support the John Campus Show and also want to just earn free money, uh, go and use that Get Upside app. Uh, go download, try it. I promise you, I think you're going to like it. And when you do, make sure you use the promo code Campia, that's C-A-M-P-E-A, in the promo code to get a little bonus in there. So thank you, guys. That'll do it for me for now. Thanks a lot for being here. My name's John Campia. And until next time, my friends. Subscribe to Soggy Ass Max.